Welcome to the Food Foundation podcast, the award-winning voice of the charity which campaigns for better access to healthy food for everyone in the UK. I'm Dr. Saleh Mahmood Ahmed, MasterChef winner, gastroenterologist, and author of the Sunday Times bestseller, The Kitchen Prescription. This week, in the third of this 12-part series on the Food Foundation's annual broken plate report on the state of the nation's food system, we're talking about something that I see every day in my NHS clinic, the UK's obesity epidemic. And with obesity, obviously there's an increased risk of insulin resistance, blood pressure problems, cholesterol problems, and also orthopedic and psychological problems. So um, in that way, finding a child with obesity issues is really a bit of a can of worms, if you like. A strong food system can underpin a strong society and have a profound impact on the nation's health, happiness and overall prosperity. But as Hannah Brinsden, Head of Policy and Advocacy at the Food Foundation explains, this year's Broken Plate Report finds that a rising prevalence of obesity in children across England and Scotland who are living in the most deprived fifth of the population is posing a serious threat to that vision. In this report, we look at a number of metrics which we think are important indicators of the state of the the food system. So that includes the state of the environment that we live in, but also some of the health outcomes um, of that food system. And one of the metrics that we've looked at focuses on children's weight, uh, specifically childhood obesity. And what we've found um, really worryingly is that children in the most deprived groups um, in this country are actually twice as likely to be affected by obesity compared to the least deprived. And this really shows a worrying trend of um, inequalities in this country and the fact that food insecurity, which we know is increasing, is having a real impact on children's health. Kat Jenner is the Director of Obesity Health Alliance and says obesity is the great divider. It's really shocking to see that there's such a big disparity between the richer groups and the poorer groups when it comes to obesity, because we have been saying for years that we want to try and level up. Yet what we're seeing is that children in the most deprived fifth of the population are more than twice as likely to experience obesity by the time they start school to pair, uh, compared to the least deprived. That is such a huge amount. And it's not to say that obesity isn't seen across all groups. It is. It's a problem across all socioeconomic groups. I mean, in London, particularly, the stats say that we're talking about 40% of the capital's children aged 10 and 11 are living with overweight or obesity. And left unchecked, that's going to impact children's health now. It's going to have future implications on the health service and also on productivity as well. So we should really be only looking at policies that are going to try and reduce those inequalities. Obesity and food insecurity often coexist due to the affordability of cheap, high-calorie foods, particularly ultra-processed foods or UPFs. Families on low incomes often rely on these to feel full and the healthy options simply aren't available to them. So for UPF, we're seeing that 56% of calories, so over half of the calories that we're eating by over children and adults are from ultra-processed food. This is food that's considered to be high in salt, fat, sugar, low in fibre, fruit and vegetable, and really just low nutrition quality. And that's generally what's on the shelves and what's available to us in this food system. When we look at what people are actually eating as well, we see the most deprived fifth of adults are having less fruit and vegetables 
I think it was 37% less fruit and vegetables than those in the least deprived group. They're having half as much oily fish, about 20% less dietary fibre than the least deprived fifth. So we're seeing huge differences here between the richer and the poorer groups. The impact of the obesity and overweight crisis hits everyone in the UK. Nearly 9,600 diabetes-related amputations are carried out on average per year. That's an increase of 19% in six years, and an already overwhelmed NHS simply cannot cope. In 2020 to 2021, out of a total of nearly 13 million hospital admissions in England, over 1 million had obesity as a factor. Hannah Brinsden. It's really concerning when we see such high levels of um conditions such as obesity, such as diabetes, because we know the NHS is under immense pressure at the moment. And this is only going to contribute. And we know in part, this could be prevented by taking action to improve the food system. And we know the impact of having high level of childhood obesity and also adult obesity, diabetes, amongst others, puts immense pressure on frontline services, uh, such as GPs. What we need to see is more focus on prevention and protecting the NHS from um, the impacts of a bad food environment. And as a doctor working in a busy hospital, I see the stories behind those figures every day. Dr Pandora Frost is a GP in Kent and has noticed a sharp rise in childhood obesity in her area. She tells us what diabetes can look like for a young person living with obesity. And when I think about the youngest person I have met with diabetes, uh, they were 17 years old. And of course, diabetes uh, has complications associated with it. We tend to break them up into the microvascular and macrovascular complications. Um, the, the publications um, referred to those microvascular ones they cause problems with your kidneys problems with your eyes and nerves and then macrovascular ones would be um, problems relating to the bigger blood vessels issues with your heart supply blood supply to the legs and limbs um, and it can cause uh, really life-altering complications and really life-limiting problems as well but a trip to the doctor for a diet-related issue can be about so much more than GPs can cope with. Primary care physicians in general practice have a very important role in helping children and families where children are found to be obese. But these children are either presenting with something entirely non-obesity related, and this is picked up, or they're coming in with health complications relating to their obesity. I think one of the difficulties is that general practice really isn't set up in terms of time and the ability to de dedicate the time to children and families where they need a, a very holistic approach to deal with this issue. The other thing I find is that children with obesity, obviously there's an increased risk of insulin resistance, blood pressure problems, cholesterol problems, and also orthopedic and psychological problems. So um, in that way, finding a child with obesity issues is really a bit of a can of worms, if you like. And primary care professionals are being stretched in that scenario where you find a problem and it, it opens up many other problems that need to be dealt with, again, in a, in a very time-constrained situation. 
General practitioners have always looked at the big picture of patients' lives. But because of the obesity epidemic, most doctors are having to talk to parents about much more than how to feed their kids. Even the most obvious advice, such as to do more exercise, is really complicated. When I think about childhood obesity and the children that I have met, I tend to think of this as a sort of vicious cycle of symptoms. So when a child gains weight, um, you might find that this uh, inhibits movement and they become less inclined to, to want to exercise. As the child gains more weight, exercise may even become uncomfortable and painful. They may develop further problems around things such as sleep apnea, which is where their sleep is interrupted by breathing issues at, at night. That in turn leads to them waking up feeling poorly rested, um, probably not very motivated. Um, and with the continuation of weight gain, this can lead on to you know, other other issues, for example, musculoskeletal problems, uh, low self-esteem, uh, eventually problems, severe problems relating to the arteries, diabetes, for example. So where does the buck stop? Government? Retailers? Advertisers? Well, the Broken Plate report finds the marketing of unhealthy food has a massive role to play in the crisis. Hannah Brinston. In previous episodes, we've already talked about the advertising and marketing of certain foods to babies and toddlers. But we know that the marketing uh, concern is relevant across across the age groups and across the food um, that we see. And about 30% of advertising is spent on confectionery, snacks, products like that, compared to just 1% on fruit and vegetables. So immediately, there's um, a concern in what we're seeing promoted and what seems um, to have high appeal when we're, when we're shopping. Mimi is one of the Food Foundation's Young Food Ambassadors and finds the availability, appeal and affordability of junk food in the shops is one of the biggest problems. Every time you go into a shop, there's like these weight display boards, like things that have to be eaten by today and have to be like reduced down. But they're always like donuts, pastries, and they're always sugary things. Like you will never see them put fruits or vegetables up that have to be eaten by today. And when there's with schools, there's always like wee shops, wee corner shops right beside them, and all the unhealthy foods is closer up to the tills. And even at the tills, there's like chocolate bars that have like you can buy. Would you like to buy the Smalls bar packet today? And it's always unhealthy junk food and never fruit and vegetables so they put all the junk food at the front and all of the healthy things at the back because no one would want to go all the way to the back of the store to get healthy things. Kat Jenner is clear that food does need to be affordable, available and appealing to everyone but it's got to be healthy food that ticks those boxes. So if you were going shopping in somewhere where there's perhaps a real lack of access to big supermarkets, you don't have a car, you don't have a lot of time to spend getting a bus to a place, you're really relying on some of those small local shops. What we're seeing is that one in four places to buy food are fast food outlets. This has actually increased since the last report as well. And then when you get to the shops, perhaps a smaller shop on a high street, you're finding it doesn't have the full availability of food. So you may have seen a fantastic recipe that's included lots of basic cheap food items that are healthier. But when 
when you actually get into that mini supermarket, you find that they are not on the shelves. And even if you're finding that these foods are on the shelves, things that you want and something that you know your children will like, that you know how to cook, we're finding the products on the shelves themselves are not healthy. So one of the metrics in the study was from an action on sugar survey looking at breakfast cereals and yogurts. And they found that only 7% of breakfast cereals and 8% of yogurts marketed to children were low in sugar. So even if you've managed to pass all of those hurdles and get to go into the shop to buy the food, to feed for your family that they're going to enjoy, you're finding that that's not healthy. And that's something that is supposed to have changed. There have been slight improvements over the years in some of the metrics, particularly in salt reduction, where they've been doing a voluntary program that's been quite successful for years. But when it comes to sugar and calorie reduction, that's not, um, that's hardly seen any changes. And in the out-of-home sector, which is really proliferated, um, not just in terms of what's on the high street, but through the apps and the frequency of order, that is edging good healthy foods out of the diet. So when we're seeing that half of the food we're eating is ultra-processed food, high in salt, fat and sugar, you can start to understand why. And affordable healthy food is a contradiction in terms to far too many people. The Broken Plate report found that the most deprived fifth of the population would need to spend half their disposable income to eat what the government calls a healthy diet. Healthier foods are twice the price per calorie as junk food. Kat Jenner reminds us why that figure is so important. Literally at the moment, when we've got a cost of living crisis, can people afford a healthier diet? And the answer is no. Added to that, we look at the appeal. This is about how the extent of advertising and marketing drives people towards food that can damage their health, mostly unconsciously. And in the report, we've got some really good metrics there about health claims and advertising. Health claims is a particular bugbear of mine, how um, health and nutrition claims are used on food to try and persuade you to buy it and really detracts you from looking at the label and seeing what's actually in the food. It's a really quite a nasty tactic, if you ask me. And in the broken plate report we can see that 97 percent of snacks marketed to babies and toddlers have a nutrition or health claim despite them being high in sugar for this age group that to me is a real systems level problem that something's not being done about and that could be done about quite easily if they wanted to and advertising as well many people are not really aware of all the different advertising tactics that's used so obviously on tv but online pr outdoor when you're out and about uh marketing of sports i think some of us got a little bit annoyed recently seeing the uh, lionesses being sponsored by all sorts of fast food brands but really advertising has an impact on all of our daily lives and a third 33 percent of food and soft drink advertising spend goes on confectionery snacks desserts soft drinks compared to just one percent on fruit and vegetables so we can see that this is really shaping the food environment and really the messages that we're getting are educating us against healthy eating. So anything that goes on in schools or through government advertising programmes trying to encourage you to eat healthily is undone when you see this advertising, when you go onto the shops, when you try and make an informed decision buying a food and you are persuaded that you are buying something healthy when you're not. The government needs to do the maths. Our broken food system is costing the UK £74 billion every year and is reducing GDP by 3.4%. 
Obesity reduces the employment rate, increases early retirement and absenteeism, resulting in a reduction in labour market outputs by the equivalent of 944,000 full-time workers per year in the UK. It makes no sense and it's embarrassing. The Broken Plate report shows that the predicted prevalence of childhood overweight and obesity in 2035 puts the UK behind the majority of OECD countries. When we look at some of these outcomes about height, dental health, life expectancy, diabetes-related uh, amputations, really shocking, and the figures to do with weight as well. I think we really need to look at our place in the world and the example that we want to be setting. It is for me, very concerning that the UK is lagging behind the majority of other OECD countries with, if you can believe it, only US citizens faring worse. We supposedly have a levelling up agenda in this country and we hope that the government will be taking steps to reduce these inequalities. But to do that, we need to have a comprehensive strategy and that is not yet in place. Hannah Brinston. This is worrying when we've, we're one of the world's leading economies to have such um, concerning levels of obesity, which we know has an impact on health, on productivity. And as we move towards an election, we're really looking towards the government in the next electoral term to really commit to making healthy, sustainable food available and affordable for everyone across the nation and really taking control of the, of the food environments and the food system here in the UK. Dr Pandora Frost says that the government must take urgent action to address the needs of our broken food system. I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg now with regards to child obesity numbers in the UK. I really feel it's disappointing that government policies have really ignored the issue around socio-economic disparities, as this really seems to be a, a massive factor in why we are struggling with childhood obesity. I think the COVID pandemic has further exacerbated food insecurity, which in turn has resulted in, you know, the purchasing of cheaper packaged and processed good. Um, there's no quick fix, but I, I think we really need to make some changes and the government will need to make some, some changes rapidly in order to get on top of what is really a exponentially growing pandemic of childhood obesity. The Food Foundation believes the policies to tackle population-wide obesity offer an opportunity not only to benefit individuals, but to deliver huge economic gains for the nation. We've already seen that restrictions on TV and online advertising, as well as the soft drinks industry levy, also known as the sugar tax, have been estimated to generate a net return to the UK economy of £76 billion over 25 years. Meany believes in that vision of a food system which could underpin a strong society and have profound impact on the nation's health, happiness and overall prosperity. She told us what she would do if she were Prime Minister. I would change the prices. The prices are just ridiculously too high. They don't have to be that high. Um, I'd change the placing of the food and where it is in stores, put all the healthy things up. And even put like healthy foods in the reduced aisles as well, so they can all be eaten and not being put to waste and put in the bin. And I'd change the packaging as well, because lots of junk food has very colourful, bright packaging, 
and it has like slogans on it that I'd want people to buy them. I would put them on healthy packets as well. Like we help speak health healthy crisps. Lots of healthy food is really nice, but no one really gives it a chance because um everything is just too high of a price. I would change prices, change the placing of them in the store and packaging. Expanding free school meals to all children could deliver benefits of £99.5 billion over 20 years. That includes savings to schools, increased lifetime earnings, saving to the NHS and savings on food costs for families, as well as wider benefits. Kat Jenner believes that schools have a massively important role right from the start. The deprivation gap that we have in obesity clearly illustrates that any action is not going to be effective unless it directly tackles the food system. We need to tackle the inequalities and help the poorest children. We need to start in the early years and in schools. So what children are exposed to early on in life is what's going to set the trajectory for them for the rest of their life. So really having in school, in place, really good messages about food, free school meals, nutritious meals, and really understanding how that food system works early on is going to set a really good example later on in the year. So we're really supportive of measures in schools to try and help people live healthily. And of course, what we need them to be is fully equitable as well. So we need to make sure that those that have less chances outside of school are being given those brilliant messages about what healthy eating in is in school as well. We have got a target in the UK to halve childhood obesity by 2030 and that target is looming really quickly. So we need these steps to come into place as soon as possible. And I think what I really like about this report is it has good recommendations that could be implemented now. Many of these measures about availability, affordability and appeal and getting good meals in schools are things that could be implemented straight away if we had willing politicians. Future Prime Minister Mimi agrees. I think more people would be more focused in class and they wouldn't be tired because with the right food and the right motivation, you have better sleep, better work. And I think more people will be more happier. You have more glowy skin. And I think grades would be improved as well. Everything would be improved by then. We are the next generation, so more people have to listen to us so they can get the right idea of what we need and what should be changed. But because we're kids, no one listens to us. So I feel like with this, with the Food Foundation, it's a good thing for people to hear us and hear our thoughts and other people's thoughts and maybe their own kids' thoughts. So yeah, everything has to be changed and whether we're going to change it. If government is serious about economic growth, it must commit to improving diets and preventing obesity-related disease that would help families lead healthier lives, increase economic productivity and reduce the burden of ill health from the NHS. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As we head towards the next general election, the Food Foundation is calling on policymakers to recognise the importance of the food system in shaping the nation's health and wealth. And you can help. Write to your MP and tell them why good food is a source of prosperity for everyone in the UK. Just go to thefoodfoundation.org.uk and use its data in your letter. That's what it's there for. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast to keep up with the latest analysis on what makes healthy food matter.